Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Before we start this episode, we would love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast and leave a rating and review. And I know you hear this on so many podcasts, and you probably switch off. But if you are a regular listener, especially if you've listened to four or five episodes or more, go on, change channels for 20 or 30 seconds, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and while you're there, leave a rating and review. This really does help us with the planning and the conversations we are having behind the scenes to continue bringing you quality interviews with a diverse range of people. Now, onto this week's guest. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Owen Eastwood is one of the world's leading mental skills coaches. And in this bite-sized episode, he answers our performance uncovered questions. Owen has some world famous clients from musicians to celebrities, to sporting teams, to athletes, to even royalty. And it would be easy to get an inflated ego from that, but you'll find Owen's answers are incredibly grounding as he also bases most of his life around his family and the simple teachings, the beautiful teachings he got growing up as a Maori boy in New Zealand. Uh, it's that time where we talk about performance uncovered, and I'm really curious to hear your answers on this. So I'm going to give you 13 rapid fire questions, Owen Eastwood. The first oh answer that comes to mind, hit me with that question number one, your favorite song or band? Uh, well, favorite musician is Bruce Springsteen for sure. I really love his song, City of Ruins. It's like a preacher's sermon in some ways, but obviously beautifully musical, but I quite like the idea and it's a little bit of mirrors of work that I do. I quite like it maybe when teams are struggling and have got lost and they've got to just rebuild again. And we don't try and replicate some glossy model somewhere. We just try and reflect on who the hell are we and what would the best version of us look like. And that, that song actually reminds me of that. So yeah, that, that's my answer there. Question two, your favourite movie? Uh, Toy Story means a lot to me. The reason being, with both of our children, we've had so many lovely shared experiences of watching those movies time and again, and then the next version, and then the next version, and the next version. In fact, my again, my son said he watched it again in the weekend by himself and up in his bedroom, which was cool. So that 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 is a real beautiful little treasure from their childhood. Yeah! figure you are a child's plaything you are a sad strange little man and you have my pity question number three your favorite book apart from belonging and you can't say match fit my book either no oh, that's unfair uh, sacred hoops by phil jackson that's the best book on culture and leadership and sport that i've read it's not actually a particularly famous book he wrote it he was a coach of the Chicago Bulls with Jordan and Pippen, et cetera. The lovely thing is he wrote that in between the first three-peat and the second one when Jordan went off and played baseball. So it's actually in the moment. It's not a nostalgic um, thinking back. And it, it, it was the first time it validated the spiritual ideas I was holding in my head. And he uses from Sioux Indian tribes uh, spiritual ideas and he built a culture around them and and that made me feel oh my god these ideas from polynesia 
I can, I've got permission now to use these in these environments. Phil Jackson was decades ahead of his time. Phenomenal what he was doing yeah. back then, like introducing mindfulness, a lot of the concepts now some yes. sporting teams go, oh, let's bring in a mindfulness coach. He was doing it decades ago. Question number four, your favourite possession? Being a member of Naitahu, there's some beautiful green stone. So you can't buy that. It has to be gifted to you. It's part of our tribe, tribal law, I suppose. So that, that those possessions, which come from the South Island of New Zealand and where our tribe are the custodians of it, that they're important. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on, neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture, or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. Question five, what is your favorite food? Definitely Japanese. Love it. And I'm very lucky. I live in the Cotswolds in England, which is about now north of Oxford. And we've actually, there's a Soho farmhouse, which is close by where we're members of. And they have an amazing Japanese restaurant in there in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of the English countryside. And I've had people who've come from Japan over eaten there and said it's as, as good as there. So I'm very fortunate. Question number seven. What time do you wake up and go to bed each day? Uh, try to wake up around half past six and get up half an hour later after I listen to a, a bit of a pod to get me wake, waking up. Try to get to bed about 10.30 at night. And you have a morning routine after that? Are you very structured? Are you very habitual before you get into the rest of your day? I do travel quite a bit like yourself. So but when I'm based at home, I have a lovely ritual in the morning, which is I take my daughter to school and we generally will walk depending on the weather. We have a lovely conversation, hold hands. It's beautiful. And then I will go and get a coffee and then I will come into my office, which is on a hill with a you know, very fortunate with a lovely view across all the way. You can see the Welsh mountains in the background. And I probably have half an hour where I do low level catching up on stuff. And then I have a bit of a deep focus for the next two or three hours around trying to do something substantive. Question eight, what does your weekly fitness schedule look like? Try and exercise properly every second day. And that's a combination. I've got a Peloton bike at home, which I enjoy. So I always go on the scenic tours. So have a nice form of escapism. And then I'm a member of a gym. So I just alternate between those. And even when I'm traveling, I just try my very best to, to be able to keep that going. What's the road cycling like where you are in the Cotswolds? Are there some good hills? Very, very you? hilly. Very, very hilly. And very narrow roads. It's not super safe, probably. So I'm quite happy in my Peloton and my garage. Mm. Question number nine. Tell me a go-to productivity tip. When I was a lawyer, we had to record all of our time for charging, billing reasons. But I've maintained that practice actually into, and I've been full-time coaching, I think for like, this is my eighth year or something. 
And so I do every single every single day. I record to to you know the nearest quarter of an hour how much time I'm spending on certain things, and I find that as a very gives me a very good discipline. A just to be productive, you know, I want to record lots, but B it's actually very good data to go back into and look at and think you know how much time I'm spending on productive things, unproductive things, and how and 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 just keep being more efficient. There's that lawyer background popping up again. Yeah, yeah. Question number 10, your most vivid childhood memory. It's funny, the, the trauma of my father passing, I wouldn't call it vivid memory. It was quite a hazy memory. I mean, I do remember a bit about that day, which is horrendous, but it's not so much vivid. I think the most vivid memories I had at school were around sport, playing it, but also going to our local stadium and watching our team Southland play rugby and in 1978 you you won't enjoy hearing this um southland played australia and beat them and the following year we played france and beat them when they were touring and that, that they actually had a big impact on me and this is again what what i bring when i talk to teams about what it is to represent other people because i was a kid who didn't have very high self-esteem at all didn't have a great sense of identity at that point and all of a sudden, I'm going and watching this team, which is beating the Australian national team, the French national team, and as, as half the team are all blacks. And actually, I was able to walk away from that stadium feeling a little bit like a friggin' world champion. Um, it was very bizarre. So, so sport can give people who have a very challenging personal life a sense of esteem and even confidence. And I, I don't want people to ever forget that. Uh, question 11, the biggest adversity you faced and what did that teach you? Growing up without a dad was a big adversity because I missed him so much, left such a massive hole in my life. And, you know, my family said I was a shadow. I just followed him around everywhere. So so when he left, although I had three siblings and a wider family and my mum was amazing, I felt a, a real sense of loneliness. I did. And I, I hated that feeling. <laughs> so I, what I learned from it was that, you know, we feel healthier um, and better if we belong with a group of people, whether it's friends or whether it's family, or whether it's at workplace or, or whatever. And it's very, very important to our well-being. And by the way, it also helps us perform at a much higher level. Question 12, what achievement or achievements are you most proud of? I don't really think of in terms of self-pride. I've got good friends who are Muslims and they've taught me quite a lot about that concept. Um, and I respect that. So I don't really think about, I'm not proud of myself, I wouldn't say that. But one thing I feel very fortunate about is I've managed to somehow accidentally find a job I absolutely love. And people seem to think that I, you know, add some value around. Well, looking forward to the answer on this one, question number 13. What is your definition of high performance? Well, we've had a pretty great chat about that, haven't we? Um, we have. I don't. I don't define it. What I'm interested in is people replacing it with the concept of healthy environments. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit 
Or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.